Hello and welcome to Blockchain Gaming World, episode 39, with uh, me, your host, John Jordan. Joining me this week to talk about all things blockchain games is James, editor of BlockchainGaming.biz. How's it going, James? Yeah, very good. It's been an exciting week so far. It has. It's it's uh, spring. Spring has certainly come in terms of weather in the UK. I don't know what it's been been like where where you live. We live a few hours apart, but a jolly nice week up here. Uh, nice sunshine, and I think the same is happening. If we can't uh, draw too broader comparison <laughs> with blockchain games, so um, what's the big news of the week, James? What have you been covering so far? Been a lot of like different partnerships and developments. So it's been genuinely exciting to see just the difference and a change in the underlying currents that we've seen from blockchain gaming from late 2018 to now. Yeah, yeah. A good kind of example of that, actually. You, you, I, it could have been a setup, this, this, uh, that, that line. But um, interesting to go talk about going for 2018, 2019, is the launch of what was in 2018 called uh, Major League Baseball Crypto Baseball, or MLB Crypto Baseball, I suppose, um, which, which is now live again in its second uh, incarnation for the new... Uh, baseball season which has just started so i'm led to believe um but the game is not called uh mlb crypto baseball anymore it, it's renamed to mlb champions so it's pretty i don't know do you think that's significant or is that just is, is that kind of i always kind of think that stuff's quite significant the name of a game but i don't know maybe i overplay that what are your thoughts well no i, I certainly agree i mean we've seen the kind of challenges that mlb formerly crypto baseball had in bringing the world of crypto and blockchain to a general audience because i mean it was back when they did the promotional dodger stadium that they had so many of the cards that they had that were kind of augmented reality that were being sold on ebay for however much there's a very big challenge that they face in trying to introduce a technology as like very underground as blockchain to a mass audience so mlb champions as it's now known demonstrates that they're really trying to take on a bit more of a palatable face if they're going to bring in a bigger audience. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's interesting. It's not just that the name um, has changed, although um, I guess, ironically, I suppose, the URL is still the same for the game. <laughs> I guess you I guess you can't necessarily you know, get the URLs you want once you've launched something. Um, but uh, um, I think what's interesting is it, it's uh, the title is kind of um, symbolic of what's gone on behind the scenes. So, again, like, kind of like you mentioned, 2018, everything was like a... I guess a DAP, I don't really like the term DAP very much, but everything was a decentralized DAP running on Ethereum and using MetaMask. You know, that was kind of what CryptoKitties gave us as a, as a benchmark, and that's pretty much what everything, everyone went with um, uh, last year. Uh, and that worked That worked fine for a certain kind of audience, maybe up to, you know, a couple of thousand, uh, maybe even up to 10,000, I don't know. Um, that could seem to work okay. Um, but obviously, and I think there was, a, a, there was some thinking um, from some game developers that, you know, as the market broadened out and better kind of products came in, that, that basically that just market would grow and MetaMask wouldn't be a, a kind of problem. Uh, but clearly what's happened is MetaMask has been ma- a massive problem, um, certainly I think for the crypto baseball people last year where they were draw- firing a lot of traffic from the Major League Baseball official website over to their game. And you had to you had to log in with MetaMask. So if you didn't have you know if you didn't have that, you basically couldn't log in. And obviously, the, people then had to you know decide whether they what was this thing MetaMask? How did you set it up? Obviously, it's a real pain to do. Um, so this year, um, they've they've gone to a I, I guess it's a you know effectively a centralized system. So you log in, um, and you log in and you create an email and a password. Um, so no no mention of crypto in the game and no mention of crypto in the in the in the login uh and i as far as i understand as well they're um you you can buy these collectibles um 
so the game is buying uh, players and creating a team and then kind of um, like a fantasy baseball team, kind of a, a effectively kind of bet, not betting. Well, it's sort of a betting on what happens in the game, um, in the game between the real teams. So it's like a, that kind of real world thing as well. Um, and you can you can put them into your own wallet if you want to, but basically if you want to, then you can just sit in, in the game wallet. So what are your thoughts about that? I know some people have very strong views about whether things should be properly decentralized and own your own keys and all that kind of stuff. What are your views? Honestly, I think that this is a this is a good kind of strategy that they're taking on because this is what needs to happen from a blockchain, a blockchain side of things. It needs to be parenthesized if it's going to appeal to like a more significant market. And I think with MLB Champions, along with the introduction of, I think, packs and season passes that they've brought in as well, they're really working to streamline the whole process. So it, it's necessary if any blockchain game is going to break into a larger scale audience. I mean, we've seen it with a couple of other titles out there so far. So I think right now we also need to see whether or not this is going to pass the acid test of the 2019 season, which has only just begun. Mm. Oh, yeah, no. I think that was the problem. One of the problems with them last year was they... It took so long to to sort out the legals of the deal with the with making baseball and the, and the players union that by the time they got the game out, they basically the season has en- had ended. So um, so it's kind of interesting from that point of view. I think they got about five thousand players. They sold about six hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of collectibles, which actually still work in this this season as well. So obviously it's not, you don't just buy the collectible and then it doesn't work anymore. So um, yeah, I imagine they'd be expecting or hoping to get like ten. A tenfold increase, I would imagine, probably over the season. You would think, if people are now just logging in, um, and you got a whole season to go. Unfortunately, I know nothing about baseball. I am kind of thinking about whether I should invest the time in actually trying to play this game, or whether it would be a, a total waste. I don't know. Are you going to get into baseball this season? I'm going to try my absolute hardest. I mean, there are a couple of teams out there that I know off the top of my head. Oh, really? I... Oh, really? You know more than me. Who, what teams <laughs> do you know? Uh, God, I'd say that. Um... I mean, New York Yankees are the typical tourist favorite. You've got the uh, you've got the Red Sox. I think there's the Dodgers. You've got the Redskins that are out there. I know those ones more from a, like a controversial side of things. There are a couple of other like teams out there, but I'm going to have to get more like dedicated to actually figure out the names and the various statistics that are involved in the whole thing. Because I mean, much like we do with football. A lot of people over here tend to get really absorbed in the metrics of like goals conceded, domination time of the ball within each match. And those are metrics that really translate over to the world of baseball too. I mean, they really bring into the metrics of how each player performs within a given season. I think this is why blockchain lends itself really well to it. Yeah, yeah. talking to the guys at LucidSite who are the developers, they've always said, um, you know, there's this idea of kind of baseball baseball cards and you collect the cards. And so there's always been this strong idea about kind of collectibles uh, within baseball in a physical sense. So um, so it, ho- hopefully that it will uh, tran- transfer. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know which team to pick, really. I, yeah, I, you probably know more than me. I don't know. I don't know. Just because I've gone to San Francisco a lot, there's San Francisco Giants, aren't there? They're the big team down there. And um, and uh, I guess, I, I don't know, that would be a bit obvious. I, I, I think they, they did win the World Series a couple of years ago, but generally they're, they're, they're very good. Um, so maybe I'll just go for like a real... A real kind of odd, odd, um, a real, real odd team. Just to, just, so I don't worry about them winning anything. I just kind of go, that's fine. I just kind of pick, pick one with a with a nice badge or something. <laughs> like the tourist thing, isn't it? I do actually have a, um, I think it's an LA Dodgers baseball cap that I picked up a long time ago. But um, yeah, maybe. Oh no, I did actually go. I tell a lie. I did go to to a, a baseball game in San Diego. I don't know who the San Diego team are. The San Diego something. Oh, I think that might be the Padres. 
Padres, I think that may be right. Yeah, it rings a bell. Yeah, yeah. So sponsored. I think the field there is called the Qualcomm Field. So I went. To, I was on a Qualcomm press trip a few years, many years ago, actually, and sat through a game of baseball. Um, so maybe, maybe that's my choice, San Diego. Yeah, it's nice and warm down there as well. Cool. So uh, that's the, um, the our first kind of um, spring crypto spring game is Major League uh, Baseball Champions. Uh, I think even if you're into baseball like us, worth checking out um, just to see how that kind of game works. It's a, it's a as I say, it's kind of a mix of a kind of collectible and, and fantasy sport um, kind of game. So, so slightly different to many of the other games we see. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's definitely pro- proven the the value of collectibles. So, you know, uh, and it has a kind of a real world um, thing because they're real world players. So, um, the next game we're going to talk about. Still, we were kind of debating when it's coming out. We're not exactly sure, but um, activity at least around. Um, Neon District. So what's been going on in the world of Neon District? Well, they've made a couple of changes to their founder sales. So this is coming off the back of the waitlist that they had go out a, I think it was late, like mid to late February. And they had tens of thousands of people responding to that one, getting a, a various like strata of where they are in the waitlist for founders keys. And as a result, it means that the Blockade Games team has published an extensive, I mean, it's a comprehensive FAQ and guide for new players that are going in from the waitlist to this founder's sale. So initially it was planned on releasing and getting a start on the 26th, but since then it's moved to the 28th and it's going to be operating on a tranche system of wherever you are in the waitlist, you take part later and later in sale. Now, while that's been like really like fleshed out and what people can obtain from that and how these digital assets are going to fluctuate and change in mechanics from season zero to when the game becomes more fleshed out over time. They've not really been too forthcoming on giving a estimated release date because I think between you and I, we've got two very different dates in mind for what we've seen come out of New York uh, blockade games about when this game's going to release. I think it's often the case with blockchain games that they kind of, you know, something playable comes out. So maybe it's a, it's an it's a beta or something um and then you know kind of functionality is added to it i guess the good example is is axie infinities where you basically they bought out the ability to breed and then later came out this kind of battle mode and now the land's coming out so so these things kind of uh, kind of progress on an iterative basis um yeah we'll, we'll see i think it, it's been interesting that the 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 founder's key thing is kind of adds a lot of complexity um in my mind because i'm not exactly sure uh kind of what it means even though i have a founder's key um, and then you kind of had this wait list where you could, it was mainly to drive referrals. So you had a referral code and if people signed up to the wait list, that kind of drove you up the, re- the referral key, um, the referral list higher up. It meant, it meant you got in there kind of quicker, but also you could buy your way in. And I was a bit unsure about that was um, necessarily a good way to do it. it. And it was like, it was only like $5, I think, or I think maybe you could buy more, but it just seemed a weird, a weird sort of money grab thing to do because Blockade games are normally, or are, I would say generally, one of the best at building build, build a strong community around what they're up to. And this idea of breaking that by just, you know, high rollers coming in and just buy their way up there um, seemed to me a little, just a little bit of odd, odd in terms of positioning. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those ways in which they were trying to appeal to those speculative whales that were looking to take advantage of these the various like epic items that they were providing. But yeah, I mean, it did operate on a, a point system. And depending on how much activity you had during this waiting list, you get more points. But the fact of the matter is, is that um, as more and more people started pouring into it, you needed more and more points in order to climb up. So however many like transactions, however much money you needed to throw into this in order to get up to 
like the first few days of the founder sale i mean you had to have within the hundreds of points in order to get up there yeah i'm just actually looking at the website and it says i always thought it's funny about neon district on the website it says gaming development and then it has a percentage that says the game is in development 64 percent done it's just very precise that they're 64 percent done and tomorrow they might be 65 percent <laughs> done anyway um uh but what is interesting is um so I actually, I actually was on that founders key list. Um, so I can actually go and get my founders key and try and work out what it is. Basically, I think with the founders key, you have a key that gives you the ability to go and open a loot box. I think that's that's kind of broadly correct. But you can obviously it being a blockchain, it's a blockchain item. You can go and trade that um, key. Uh, so obviously, if you do that, you lose the ability to go and buy the loot boxes. Um, but as ever, we this is what we expect to see on. Um, uh, with blockchain stuff and they don't deal with OpenSea. Um, so already on OpenSea, there is quite a lot of um, activity. So having a look at it now, um, and as far as I can work out, so it seemed to be um, almost 14,000 items from the Neon District Founders Key Sale um, for sale at the moment. And they're all at the same price. So I imagine this is this is Neon District selling these. This isn't individuals, I, I would think. Uh, there's different tiers of keys. There's a user key. There's an admin key. There's a super user key. There's a root key. There's a god key. Will you be dipping into uh, to, to getting a founder's key, do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I still need to redeem mine, but it's just that one thing that's wetting me or like dampening me to the approach of actually jumping in on this thing is that i'm on the wait list and i think i'm number 1700 so at least it's a nice round number <laughs> okay yeah you got maybe a bit of a time to go um things interesting for me on district is it, it obviously this is a fun of potentially a funding thing um but it i guess more than that it is interesting it does kind of drive up kind of interest in the game and they have actually as you said done quite a lot of documentation around how this kind of loop system works and how how the characterization works so you have this um idea that you get different uh characters and different gear that goes on the characters and for some of these some of these things they have like the guns have these different um so they have these shells which are effectively skins that can attach to any gear in the same class so a rifle shell to a rifle yeah um, but then you have this shell bonding which is a permanent a permanent bonding that can't be changed um yeah and, and you get these season zero shells in the founders sale so um it's interesting because coming back really to cri the crypto baseball game uh, not the crypto baseball game now <laughs> the baseball game um you know they're kind of making that more um open and easier and more accessible um to to the non-blockchain audience and and this this kind of stuff with neon district isn't so much about the blockchain audience it's, it's more like the rpg elements but i think sometimes we're it'd be interesting to see um obviously it's a very different audience for, for neon district which is you know pretty noir um rpg appeals to kind of core gamers but it does have these quite detailed rpg mechanics that we've not seen in blockchain games and they, they are reinforced by the fact that all these items are are i guess elc 721s um and can be thus traded on the blockchain uh, but also um ha have a kind of you know a, a value uh you know within the game and outside the game i think it's i wonder if they're going to get too if it's going to get a little bit complicated um which is not about you know i mean it may play to a certain audience but i, I think the i think kind of major league baseball champions is going to have a much bigger audience than neon district i don't know if anyone would disagree with that would you disagree with that no i, I mean i can certainly see where you're coming from in that sort of way and i think that it's it's a difference in approach that they well however much power that they're putting into the hands of the players here and from the guide that they've put forwards for neon district i mean specifically talking about just how these different shells are going to work for weaponry the different asset classes and rarities of the characters and assets that they hold and just how they can be 
influenced by whenever they get engaged in battles. I mean, it really depends on how engaged that they're expecting the players to be within the game. I mean, for something like MLB champions, it makes sense because people are going to be are intrinsically going to be looking at the metrics because they are core mechanics of the game. Whereas with something like Neon District, you're trying to appeal to a broad enough audience that's involved in turn-based strategy or collectibles. So I think it's something where we're going to see more success from MLB because the difference is in the closeness of the mechanics to the action. I guess while we um, a final game to talk about, uh, which was I don't actually know very much about it. You you, you wrote it up, so you know more about me. Uh, you know more about it than me. But the um, Formula One game. So yeah, F one Delta Time. So I mean, the partnership in itself was just in order to allow for the various assets from F one to be used by Animoca within this game. So Delta Time itself is a mixture of collectibles and i think the nfts boil down to various components that you can put onto your, uh, your various racing cars as well so at this moment in time it's it's made up of part collectible and part racer and they've said that it's going to be scheduled so that way people can go ahead and build up their collection of f1 cars within the game and i don't remember what exact time frame that they gave to when exactly they're expecting the racing component to jump into it, but I think it's a couple of months later on. But I'd imagine for both Animoca and F1, it's far easier for them to just shove the collectibles component in there and then work on the racing elements, because I don't know how much they're actually planning on making it an engaging sort of experience for like, the racing element, because I think we've seen with a couple of other games that it's it's on augmented reality, it's on like PC format. With this one, they've kept it relatively vague for right now. We don't, yeah, we don't know what what platforms it's on, do we? I mean, Animoca generally, Animoca, as far as I know, are, are just a mobile um, publisher. I don't think they've done anything else on any other platforms. Um, which is not to say they obviously couldn't do anything on other platforms. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at the website now. So it says um, the game will centre around the collection and trading of unique cars, drivers, and components, all of which will exist as non fungible tokens uh, based on the RC721. Um, so I guess interesting, like like. Um, MLB champions, you know, presumably this this kind of deal means the the cars will be branded cars. I I'd be interested. They don't they don't officially mention that, um, but uh, you'd assume if you're doing the official F1 game, then you get you get Ferrari and McLaren and all that kind of stuff. And presumably, the drivers is difficult because drivers have you know Lewis Hamilton is pretty expensive as a brand. So I don't know whether you get him as that. But then it's a bit weird if you have a Formula One game where you have um, you know generic names. Um, it's interesting. I think generally Formula One is quite interesting as well as a brand because it is quite a big brand globally. Um, it's never been massive in terms of gaming, though. I mean, there's been not so much now, but there, there have been quite a lot of, you know, Formula One games. Sony for PlayStation had for a long time had the Formula One brand. Um, um, Codemasters have done some games as well, and they kind of do okay. But it's a very kind of limited audience. There's people, there's people who like it, um, but then you you know you can't you can't double the audience. You know, it's. <laughs> um, Compared to like a you know what a, what an F one game would sell compared to a Gran Turismo or something like that you know it's very different it's 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 kind of a niche sort of racing thing which is it certainly is yeah is something you'd play or something something you'd um spend spend ETH buying I'm not hundred percent sure because quite honestly much as you said I mean I've always been more enamoured with the Gran Turismos of the gaming world as opposed to the F ones is because I mean with the former it's 
it's F1 that is kind of woven into it partly, but it's not the entire emphasis of the game. Whereas F1 games, yeah, you do have to be kind of drawn into that specific space with a greater deal of focus on the various races within that game. And considering the fact that as a sport, I mean, it does draw in a, a televised and like physical audience of about 1.6 billion. Yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no, no. I looked at that in press release and, and that, that I wonder where that figure comes from. I think that there's 4 million people, 4 million people attend, the, is it 20, I'm just looking up again, it's 20 races or something, is it? Uh, 21 races, yeah. So I think 4 million people attend across it all. I think this this 1.6 billion, I think that comes from adding up all the, all the broadcast channels, all the TV channels that take Formula One and what their potential reach is. Because I, I I can absolutely guarantee that 1.6 billion people do not watch Formula One. I mean, that just doesn't happen. Like in the, and it, no, it's a very specific case. In the UK, we used to get some some free, you know, on free channels on the BBC, basically, you had Formula One, and now it's all gone basically to Sky, a paid channel. So so now, like in the UK, a very small market. Um, it's gone from about 2 million viewers. This year will be well under a million, probably 800,000 at most. Um, just because it's gone for a pay channel. So anyway, I mean, that's a, by the point. By the by. Um, I think the other interesting thing actually is, is timing. So the, the Formula One season has just started. I think they did the first race a couple of weeks ago. So F1 Delta time might have the similar problem to, to what was then uh, MLB Crypto Baseball in the sense that they've got a game and they're going to launch it halfway through the season, which is just, you know, just not, you wouldn't you wouldn't wish that because it's just, you, you, lose, you lose the momentum and you kind of, uh, you lose the, partly what you're getting in the brand is, is is um and it is actually like like the baseball game in the sense that it says here um the 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 uh the fungible token non-fungible tokens will possess special race day attributes so it is kind of playing into this work this idea of say say you did own um a mclaren a mclaren was 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 on pole position then you'd get yeah that would feed back into the game so there's that kind of fantasy sport element as well so they i guess they do need to get this out quickly um i guess that's the what's the one thing about it but um i think yeah generally i think we're just saying um think things are getting pretty interesting now for blockchain games with these big brands so uh major league baseball f1 are obviously big sports brands presumably we'll start to see other big sports brands other brands looking at this kind of stuff and going oh what's our what's our view on that and I guess we'll also see the kind of the, the, the neon districts, the more kind of indie, kind of crafted, niche, um, sort of community-led or community kind of uh, enhanced kind of project. So I'm look, I'm thinking uh, pretty positively about it all. Are you thinking positively about it all, James? <laughs> that, was, that was a leading question. <laughs> it kind of was, yeah. But I mean, I've always got a... I've always got a great deal of like reserved scepticism for any of these kind of titles because, I mean... Again, for the likes of Neon District, they've they've got their hearts in the right place, at least when it comes to the publication of their guide. And would be champions. I mean, haven't spoken to Randy Saff in the past and some of the Lucid Sight team. They they certainly have a good like outlook on how to create a good blockchain game that is able to penetrate a larger audience. And for the likes of like niche games like F1 Delta Time, and I think I will call it niche because I mean, as a racer, it is. It's just thinking about how much in what we'd refer to as a, a target penetration rate a game like this will have. So I I will kind of reserve judgment until we see something more conclusive coming from those ones. And considering the fact that um, Delta Time has got another just under a month and a half until it launches proper, I think we'll we'll have some a good a time as any having a look to see just how well it does. Yep. Yep. Absolutely good. Well, thank you very much for your time.
No worries. It's always a pleasure. Good. Uh, thank you for uh, listening, uh, listeners. Um, don't forget, you can always go to uh, Blockchain Gaming World on YouTube and see a video-enhanced version of the podcast, which will kind of show you some of the games that we've been talking about. But uh, thanks for listening. Uh, any comments, you can find me on Twitter at BlockchainGMG. Uh, but come back next week to find out what's going on in the world of blockchain gaming. <laughs>